The following podcast uses swear words that I'm still trying to learn how to use properly. Hello and welcome to episode 294 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Today on the show, we talked about a lot of things, but the main thing on my mind is murder. You? (laughs) Ben and I had a big fight over a hypothetical that did have to do with murder. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think we've made up. I still love you, Ben. I oh, just, yeah. I want you to Oh, the, no, the love was never lost. Never. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I just disagreed. That's all. Uh, yeah. Then we, let's see, we talked about LSAC's snafu with the, what is it? The, the cycle, the, when the testing the cycle reset. begins and ends. Yeah. Whether it starts. Whether it's May 31st or sometime in August, we don't yet have quite clarification, but we have an email from a student about that. Yep. And then we hit the mailbag. We had questions about, um, or we had updates, I guess, really from people on getting scholarships. And then as usual, Kevin going to Berkeley on a full ride mm-hmm. after renegotiating with Berkeley and getting that full ride, which is amazing. Yep. We had, uh, and then we had the flip of that. Some people who are making decisions right now that they should not be making because they don't have the full rides that they could get. Nothing wrong with turning down all your shitty offers that you got. Be honest. Like that, those are bad offers. If you've got bad offers, you don't have to take one of them. You can turn them all down and reapply at the beginning of the next cycle. And that's what you should do if you've got bad offers. If you're thinking about paying for law school, don't. Don't. Yeah. For pearls versus turds this week, uh, someone asked about writing out explanations for each question that they drill. We had mixed advice uh, on that one. And uh, what else? Bunch of other stuff, uh, including a pearls versus turd and an excuse of the week. But I think we can probably just dive right into it. Sure, let's do it. Okay, well, this will air on Monday, April nineteenth, two thousand twenty-one. By the way, if you're just catching up with us years into the future, the June registration deadline is at the end of this month, April thirtieth, and the June LSAT week starts June twelfth. The only other thing I want to do before we dive into the show is to invite everybody to my June twenty twenty-one. June LSAT Flex study group. I said June twice. I don't know why I did that. Um, (laughs) Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Zoom. All you need is a demon free account, lsatdemon.com. Sign up for a free account, register online, again, lsatdemon.com for this, uh, this study group. The one I did for April was awesome, and I'm doing it again for June. We're going to meet every Thursday. You can meet some fellow LSAT students. You can ask me whatever questions you want about the LSAT or law school admissions for free, uh, happening every Thursday, lsatdemon.com. Cool. So let's go over test 73, section two, question one. This is a logical reasoning question. You want to read it? Uh, Sure. So editorial says the city has chosen a contractor to upgrade the heating systems in public buildings. Okay. Nothing to say about that. Really? (laughs) Sounds like a plan. Only 40. 
Well, there's no logic there or anything, <laughs> yeah. right? That's clearly just like some background. Mm-hmm. Only 40% of the technicians employed by this contractor are certified by the Heating Technicians Association. And now all of a sudden I have a lot to say. Okay. I'm sure you, Ben, are also predicting. It's it's like you get so good at the LSAT <laughs> that you don't, it's, you don't just predict an answer after you've, you know, read the question or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's you expect people to make bad arguments and you start calling bullshit on them like preemptively. Yep. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know for sure that they're going to do this, but I'm extra on guard when they say only 40% of the technicians employed by this contractor are certified by the heating technicians association. Mm-hmm. I'm expecting them to go. Therefore the city has chosen an inferior contractor. Yeah. Yeah. The 40, the only 40% screams to me that they think that this is going to be a problem. I don't know what they're going to say about it. Like you said, but I'm anticipating that. And already (laughs) I'm objecting to that because I'm like, do the technicians need to be certified? Do they need to be certified by the Heating Technicians Association? Like, what the fuck is that? And are the technicians that they're going to send to the city going to be among these 40%, even if you grant them that they need to be certified by this random organization, right? Like they're... There are so many problems. Yeah. That I'm They haven't even gone there yet. But I just <laughs> I feel like that's where they're going and I know yep. in advance that my job on LSAT logical reasoning is to call bullshit on dumb arguments. Like yep. the, when they make an argument which they do what 3 quarters of the time, mm-hmm. it's a dumb argument like 90% of those times. Yep. So on for sure, more than half the questions, I know that the game is just, hey, call bullshit on whatever, you know, allow them their premises, but don't let them reach stupid conclusions because that's what they're going to do. Yep. So I'm not arguing that only 40% of the technicians employed by this contractor are certified by the Heating Technicians Association. I'm willing to grant that that's true. Mm hmm. But I'm not willing to grant that it's good to be certified by the Heating Technicians Association. Or that it's necessary. right? <laughs> like, where's your evidence that that even matters? Maybe there's yeah. some bogus trade organization affiliated with the mob where you just have to, like, be in their club. Mm-hmm. It might be that those people never show up for work. The ones who are certified. <laughs> like, that's the ones that you know aren't going to show up for work. And you don't fuck with them. <laughs> right. As far as we know, that could be the worst thing in the world to be certified by the Heating Technicians Association. Now, it might be good. But it might be bad and they haven't mm-hmm. presented any evidence one way or the other. So I'm like willing to I'm ready to pounce on that. OK, anyway, let's see where they actually go. Sure. The third sentence starts with the word. So. So mm-hmm. here comes their conclusion for sure. Yep. It says, so the city selected a contractor, 60 percent of whose technicians are unqualified. <laughs> which, which is an outrage. They continue. And sure enough, we nailed it. We mm-hmm. s- we saw it coming. Yeah, yeah. You know, I- I'm I'm willing to grant that only forty percent of these technicians are certified by the Heating Technicians Association, but that doesn't mean that everybody else is unqualified. Yep. 
they have assumed that if you're not certified by the Heating Technicians Association, whatever the hell that is, then you are unqualified. But what if there's a Heating Technicians Guild that has or certified. a Heating Technicians yep. University? Or what if you don't need to have somebody stamp you as a heating technician? What if you've been working in the business for 40 fucking years and you don't need to have anybody, you know, certify you? Absolutely. You you could still be more than qualified. Nathan, have you been certified as an LSAT instructor? <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I have not gone through the, you know, Kaplan slash Princeton Review LSAT teacher training which would make me clearly unqualified to teach the LSAT. All right. So this one it's, and I do this in class all the time. Now, you know, I ask for a show of hands, like, Hey, who I'll stop halfway through the argument and be like, Hey, who knows the answer already? Mm -hmm. And the ones who are tuning in, the ones who've been, you know, at it for a while and are really starting to get it. They're like, Oh yeah, I, I saw this one a mile away. I know, I know where they're going. Mm-hmm. in advance because they just keep doing the same dumb shit over and over. Mm-hmm. Which one of the following is an assumption required by the argument in the editorial? Turns out to be a necessary assumption question, which I'm glad I didn't know that before I read the the passage. Like it, it, it would actively have, it, it certainly wouldn't have helped me. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. looking for a necessary assumption. Mm-hmm. What? No, I'm looking to attack a bullshit argument. Yep. And, and yeah, of course, I I know that they have necessarily assumed that, you know, if if you're not certified by the heating technicians association, then you are unqualified. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the answer. This is an easy question. There's a obvious missing piece and the author would have to agree that if you're not certified by the HTA, then you are unqualified that's got to be the answer. That's, by the way, both a necessary and a sufficient assumption of the argument. It would also be the answer if this was a strengthened question or a must be true question. <laughs> I mean, question types matter, but it's it's so dumb to read the question stem first. I just wrote a long thing about that, by the way, Ben, that's going to come out on Thursday. By the time you read this, sorry, by the time this podcast comes out, that newsletter will already have come out. Cool. We can answer all of these question types just by attacking the argument. Yes, it is important that you then read the question so that you can pick an answer that actually answers the question. But we're answering the majority of logical reasoning questions from the argument itself, and we don't need to read the question. Oh, I mean, we do need to read the question, but it doesn't help <laughs> us to read the question in order to figure out what the answer is going to be from the argument and you can never do that in reverse. There's not one question in the history of the test where you can read the question stem and know the answer. I'm going to create more than half. More than half of the questions on logical reasoning. You can just read the argument and already know the answer. Yep. Okay. Sorry for stepping on your attempted joke. That's all right. I was just going to create a meme where you say you don't need to read the question. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> misquote you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You you totally do, but you, when when you read the argument well, 
you mm-hmm. already know what the answer to the question is going to be. It's just a matter of like whose team you're playing for. Mm-hmm. Anyway, which one of the following does the author have to agree with? A, certified technicians receive higher pay than uncertified technicians? Okay, pay is irrelevant here. The author doesn't have to agree with anything about pay. There are no contractors with fewer than 40% of their technicians certified. <laughs> okay. We're uh, not talking about other contractors. So I don't There care. could be plenty of other better contractors out, you know, contractors that do have a hundred percent of their, Oh, sorry. That have zero. There could be, sorry. There could be worse contractors as far yeah. as the CTA certification goes. There could be worse ones out there as far as their percentage of certification, the author does not have to agree with that. C technicians who lack certification are not qualified technicians. Hmm. Yep. That's exactly what we predicted. That's the obvious missing piece of this argument. And I knew that that was, you know, 90% that was going to be the answer before I even finished reading the argument. I knew that they were going to make some sort of a claim along those lines. I do think that that's both necessary and sufficient. I agree. That's one of the reasons why people don't understand the difference between sufficient and necessary assumption questions is that sometimes on an easy one like this, and I've even seen it in LSAT books Mm -hmm. where they've explained the process wrong, but they get the question right anyway. And yeah, you can skate by and get some of those right on easier ones, but see is not the answer because it makes the argument win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah, yeah. <laughs> our analysis if this was a sufficient assumption question, but it's not. So the problem is that someone sees an argument required, they think, "Oh, that means I need a a strong assumption, something that's required." And then they start thinking in their head actually of a sufficient assumption. They go looking for it. They find it in answer choice C. Answer choice C ends up being correct. And they say, aha, okay, I understand necessary assumption questions. But you don't. Yeah. Because a harder necessary assumption question is going to have a correct answer that the author must agree with, which that's really why C is right here is because they've asked us for a necessary Mm -hmm. assumption. The author has to agree with C. Another way of saying that is if C is false, this argument is destroyed. That's why this is the answer to a necessary assumption question. But there there are going to be harder necessary assumption questions where there will be a sufficient assumption in the answer choices, something that makes the answer that makes the argument win. Mm-hmm. But on that one, that's going to be a wrong answer, because if they've asked you for a necessary assumption, you have to find a necessary assumption. Anyway, C is necessary, so it's going to be the right answer for this pretty easy assumption question. D, qualified technicians installed the heating systems to be upgraded? I don't care about the people who did the work before. The issue is whether these uncertified technicians are qualified, not what happened in the past. Yeah, the author does not have to agree with anything about anybody who has ever worked on this building in the past. E, the contractor hired by the city has personal ties to city officials. <laughs> you wonder what percentage of people pick answers like this, right? Like, what, where, where did their mind take them to find this um, tempting? I mean, if this was a paradox question, yeah, 
Like you're right? answering like, the wrong question, maybe? Yeah. If if E were true, it might explain why they have hired a contractor wh- whose technicians are, you know, only 40% of them are certified by the Heating Technicians Association. Yeah. Assuming that that's even good to have that certification. Yeah. But if it was, you know, yeah, E would explain, certainly E would explain why they did that. Oh, it's graft. Yeah. I know, I've been, been involved in city government operations before, and I know <laughs> that all they do is give the deals to their, you know, they have bidding, but it's all fake. And all they really do is give it to their golf buddies. Well, yeah, yeah but I mean, that might be true in real life in many circumstances, but it does not have to be true according to whoever wrote this editorial. Yeah. And therefore, it's a terrible answer for a necessary assumption question. Yeah. The answer here is C. It's the obvious missing piece of that argument. And if, you, if you're if you tuned in properly to these arguments, you should have been yelling about C, you know, probably halfway through the argument. Certainly, by the time you got done with the argument. And then when it says necessary assumption, yeah, C is the answer because the author has to agree that that's true. Cool. Cool. Let's move along, huh? Yeah, let's do it. So it looks like we have an update. Sorry, I haven't read this yet. But last episode, we talked about how LSAC had a little snafu on their website. I don't know if it's a little snafu. I'm curious what this update says. But basically, you can take the test three times in any given cycle. And historically, that cycle has always gone from May 31st to May 31st which means on June 1st, the cycle resets and you could take more tests, even if you've maxed out the three times you could have taken it in the previous cycle. But LSAC posted something on their website saying, hey, uh, the cycle doesn't reset till August. And this was creating some problems for people who were planning <laughs> to take it in June for the fourth it was, time. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it was causing some problems for people just trying to get the story straight, we had Brittany who does operations for us call twice to LSAC Mm -hmm. and try to get confirmation. And she was told twice over the phone that no, 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 that page doesn't mean what it says. Uh, Mm. You're still, it, it actually resets on May 31st, just like it always has. They told her that not once, but twice on the telephone Mm -hmm. recently, like a week ago. Yeah. Or two weeks ago. Okay. So like they clearly don't have their story straight. And then since I started yelling about it in classes and stuff, I've gotten a lot of different feedback from students and they have confirmed that they too have gotten mixed signals. So they have emails from LSAC saying, oh no, that page does mean what it says. And June, 2021 is part of the previous cycle. Hmm. But they've also gotten emails (laughs) saying, no, no, yeah, June is for sure part of the next cycle. It resets on May 31st. (laughs) And then we have this update. So you can read it. Yeah, yeah. So this update is from Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Hi, hi, team. There was some drama at Nathan's April study group last week over the recent changes to the LSAC test cycle schedule. The change now includes June 2021 to the current cycle, making anyone who took their third test in April unable to take the June test. In other words, yeah, the cycle did not reset on May 31st. Instead, it goes till somewhere in August. 
As promised in the Zoom chat, I went Karen on them and sent an email to LSAC requesting an exemption. Only a couple days later, I was granted this exemption by LSAC and will be able to get all five of my test opportunities in before admissions open in September. I'm sure this change affects many more applicants than just me, and I would like to spread the word that there is hope. Let me know if you have any questions. Thanks for creating a community where fellow law school hopefuls can commiserate and spill LSAC tea. So, wait, Nicole is confirming that the cycle does not reset until August, but you can get an exemption. Well, that's not exactly what her email says. Her email says that they granted her an exemption. Yeah. Which makes me laugh because it's like, oh, now it's an exemption to your own arbitrary policy that you changed without fanfare. And like, <laughs> they, I don't know. It's just, it's wild that they don't seem to recognize that people take this test seriously. <laughs> like that people really will prep hard for it. And they really will exhaust all of their opportunities to take a test which determines where they're going to go to law school and how much they're going to pay to go there. And law schools only care about the highest score. We didn't make this system. We're just trying to help people navigate the system to their benefit. And that means that we advise people to take the test, if necessary, five times. I Not... not not for any reason other than that's the max. Sure. Yeah. And schools only care about your highest score. So why wouldn't you, if, if you have the opportunity to take it three times in the spring and then two times more in the summer for a total of five attempts before you apply at the beginning of the next admission cycle, you should, (laughs) but they don't, they like don't seem to recognize that that's what, a rational behavior in the system they created are going to do. Yeah. Is going to do. And so they just then arbitrarily change that deadline and only half of the organization even <laughs> seems to know about it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, anyway. Yeah. It's, it's strange. Um, it's, you wonder, like, I'm just wondering about the organizational, politics or procedures that's leading to these kinds of outcomes, right? Like, is the person who got her request just like, well, I know I can't change anything around here. No one listens to us. So I'm just going to grant this exemption. Right. Or does this person actually <laughs> right. think that the organization as a whole is unable to acknowledge mistakes and fix them? I mean, I guess that's the mm. same idea. They can't just apologize. They're saying, oh, oh, we're going to grant you an exemption. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for, for making an exception in my case when in reality right. we're making an exception for them yeah. by yeah. appealing. It's, it's just a weird. <laughs> it's an organization of lawyers, right? I mean, yeah. they, it, it's like, well, yeah, I'll admit mistakes when I am forced to, and otherwise I won't, (laughs) you know, (laughs) also I'm a monopoly, so I can essentially do whatever I want. So if I can shut up this one, like really, if I can make Nicole shut up by Mm -hmm. just giving her the exemption she wants, then I'll just do that. It's easier than like trying to make a grand change to our policy and Oh, God forbid I would correct this. <laughs> if it's an error on the website, you could change it. Yeah. I did check, by the way. The webpage has not changed. So it still huh. does say clearly 
that, you know, the ironic thing is it says starting with September 2019 test administration. As if this has been around forever. It's like trying to act like <laughs> yeah. it's some sort of precedent. Like, no, we've been right. watching this for a long time. No, yeah, no way. I mean, we didn't make up May 31st. We've only been saying May 31st because that's been the rule, according to them. And then they just sort of like slipped in this weird change on us. And now they've got their hands full with at least anybody who's, you know, listening to the show or paying it. And apparently Reddit's all blowing up about it now, too. Everybody is now asking for exemption and getting exemptions. I'm not sure I understand the motivation for the change, right? The change clearly says, I mean, if this is legit, it begins with August 2021 and goes through the June 2022 test. So now the June test is included in the previous cycle as opposed to at the beginning of the next cycle. Why? Why? What's, I don't understand this arbitrary... Well, law schools, especially super shady law schools, will accept a June test for the same year's admission cycle. But who cares what cycle it's in for the sake of, like, admissions? They don't care. Why do they have an arbitrary (laughs) mid-year reset date to begin with? I mean, the whole thing is arbitrary. (laughs) Make it a fucking calendar year and then nobody has to debate it. Or not even have a cycle. You can take it five times. Have at it. <laughs> well, they've changed this policy five times in the last three years. I, you know, and granted, they rolled out the digital LSAT, which you know they made some changes around that time. They also had to navigate COVID. Yeah, which you know, I, 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 I get it. I understand why you would make shit. Ben, we made big changes in our businesses over the past year, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I get it that things are in flux and you're going to be making changes. But so anyway, I I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if they changed this again. You'll you'll recall that it was what two years ago that they decided to just eliminate the limit altogether. Yeah, and everybody was. Some people were like, "What happens if I take it six or seven times?" And it's like, huh. Now that's not going to really happen any anymore. I mean, it could in <laughs> lifetime, I guess, but highly unlikely. <laughs> so this is where we are. We still don't know exactly what the reset date is, but it does seem like they're giving exemptions. If you had relied on the idea that the cycle was going to reset on May 31st, like it has recently, then you... You can email LSAC and get an exemption. I've also heard, Ben, of people who were registered to take it for a a third time in April, and then they just went ahead and registered on the website for June, and it let them register. Mm. So the the text on the website... Now, they don't yet have a time with ProctorU... Okay. So it is possible that they could like think they're registered and then not be able to get a time mm, through Proctor yeah. U, which would really suck. <laughs> We're really going to drag you along and then. <laughs> well, and, and this is where it seems like organizationally, if I was, you know, giving them some advice, it would be like, well, you've created a situation now where if I'm a student, if I'm a listener of the thinking else that podcast, or if I'm a student in one of our classes, I'm probably going to be calling and emailing your customer service team to try to get some kind of a resolution, which clearly they don't want calls and emails to their customer service team because that's expensive. Yeah. But they they made the game. <laughs> that's what people are going to have to do now. So, 
hopefully we'll get more resolution in the coming weeks. Uh, by the way, email help at thinkinglsat.com if you have any LSAC tea that needs to be spilled. Mm. All right, mailbag, you up for this? Yeah. First one says, hello, boys. Thank you for the demon and for ripping apart my personal statement on episode 267. Mine was the one about founding the international NGO. Remember that one? <laughs> Vaguely. This, this the yeah. idea of founding an international NGO that's going to make me laugh unless it's totally backed up. Anyways. Well, yeah, that, that was the problem with that statement. As, it, as I recall, it was like starts with this grand claim of like, I founded an international NGO. But then when it got into the details, the details were like underwhelming compared mm-hmm. to that grand claim. And it was like, ooh, I don't, there's ways we could flip this to make it. You, you don't need to like try to knock my socks off. But when you do, mm-hmm. then you better have the evidence that's going to support it or else it just it, it falls really flat. Right. You get the sad yeah. trombone sound. <laughs> Anyway, it says, I took most of your advice and I'm sure it improved my chances. My stats are 170 LSAT and 3.79 GPA from USC. Just yesterday, Berkeley offered me an unconditional full tuition scholarship, which I've accepted. The cost of living in the Bay is steep, but I already live in Berkeley. And this way, I don't have to move out of my rent controlled apartment. Score! Exclamation point. I was originally offered a $17,500 annual coupon at Berkeley, but I waited for better offers to come in and then used one to negotiate. I asked Berkeley to raise my scholarship to meet the total cost of attendance difference between Berkeley and University of Texas, where I got a huge discount. Also, a lot cheaper to live in Texas. Mm -hmm. Much to my surprise, Berkeley exceeded my request. Wait, can we stop there one second? Yes. So the fact that um, Kevin focused on the cost of, wait, what's that? Cost of what? A? You said I it. said attendance. I'm assuming okay. cost of attendance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's smart. So, yeah. Because he, he, Kevin's focusing on all the costs, right? Like the cost yeah. of living and so forth. Whereas a lot of people, when they're negotiating, I'm sure they're just focusing on the coupon amount as opposed to the actual cost of going to school and the actual cost of living, right? So you you need to frame the argument and the request that in the most positive light for you so that when the offer is coming back to you, they are keeping in mind exactly what you're giving up and what you're focusing on. If you just focus on the coupon, you they may match the coupon and you still end up paying more, <laughs> even though the coupons are the same, right? So... And by coupon, we mean scholarships. Absolutely. Yep. Completely. I'm going to contrast Kevin's situation with an anonymous other emailer. Sure. Yes. Kevin's doing all the right things here. And this renegotiation is huge. I mean, so (laughs) it doesn't even sound like Texas was necessarily a a full ride. It says it was a huge discount. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kevin, what he did was he showed them, hey, here's how much it's going to cost me to go to school at Texas. Yep. One of your competitor schools. And here's what it's going to cost me to, to go to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. What can you do for me? And not only did they 
match it, but they gave an unconditional full tuition scholarship. So it seems like at least as far as the tuition is concerned, they've exceeded, Mm -hmm. which they had to do in order to make the cost of attendance the same. Yeah. Let this Kevin continues. Let this be a lesson to applicants. Figure out what you're worth and always ask for more. I never thought that I would get to attend my top choice school at a 100% discount. I cannot thank you enough for all your good advice, both on the LSAT and on the admissions process. Hella not paying for law school, Kevin. Great. That's a beautiful thing. I mean, Kevin knew his worth and did everything right. And look how well it works out. I mean, the reason why we say don't pay for law school is because you don't have to pay for law school if you do this right. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) Kevin played the game to his advantage. That's what lawyers do. Kevin looks like a lawyer to me. All right. Check this out. I'm going to redact this pretty heavily. This was an email that was sent to me personally. Okay. From a former student of mine at my live classes. And it says, I am finally at the end of my application journey, which I do not agree with whatsoever. Once we hear the rest of this, okay, it continues. I got a 172 on the LSAT. So thanks for helping to make that possible. My college GPA and transcript really sucks. So I definitely needed it. Okay. So we have a wide splitter here, Okay, but 172, you for sure don't have to pay for law school with a 172. Yeah. Many schools will give you a scholarship with a full ride with 172. Mm-hmm. It says I'm a hundred percent set on attending law school and 100% set on staying in San Francisco. Oh, okay, fine. We'll <laughs> grant those things. F- fine. I, I don't love granting the have to. Stay I don't in either San Francisco, but okay. I don't love either of those, but there are three law schools within San Francisco city limits plus a state accredited school, San Francisco law school. It's not an ABA school, but it is an additional law school. If you're so set on San Francisco, then maybe you should consider the state sponsored law school. Okay. But here's what, here's where I just like almost, Oh God, it made me feel ill. I can go to Hastings for $62,000 per year. That includes tuition, cost of living and other fees. So Hastings, you know, maybe they offered 10,000 off of their tuition or something, but not much. Cause not much at all. Yeah. It's yeah. A lot of money. It's probably of that. It's like 40 K of tuition and, and another 20 to live yeah, something like that. Or I can go to USF for a cost of living of 36,000 per year, which means also paying tuition to USF. Yep. Which would you choose? Neither. You exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, the answer is neither. And yeah. I'll read my response as well. Okay. But mm-hmm. it goes on and says, and this is where I knew that this was somebody who hadn't really drank the Kool-Aid. Like this is somebody who just doesn't get it. Yeah. USF's reputation is bad, but I don't know that many people with actual experience there. I'm wondering if you might have some insight to share. <laughs> and it, 
it angers me slightly when people don't listen to me. This is somebody who actually took my live class. Mm. I don't know how it's possible to be in the room with me and not already know my answer to this question. Do you, Ben, can you (laughs) imagine spending any amount of time with me and not knowing the answer? Yeah. I said, I would never accept either of those offers. I would thank them politely and reapply at the beginning of the next cycle, cast a wider net. What about Golden Gate? That was my entire email. I have not heard back. I don't expect to hear back because this is news that people don't like to get. Yeah, it's interesting. They want affirmation that the decision they're about to make is a good one when we think otherwise. That's a fucking disaster, Ben. (laughs) That's not a good, that's not even slightly good. That's a, you're about to ruin your financial future. Paying full price at Hastings, those outcomes are not good. Paying half price at USF, yeah, USF has a bad reputation, just like Hastings has a bad reputation for putting people in debt. Yeah. And, you know, like, if you're so set on San Francisco, Golden Gate, there are founding partners of law firms who went to Golden Gate. And you probably could go to Golden Gate for free with your 172. And I just can't say it clearly enough. You should not pay for law school. You're an idiot, especially with the 172. The 172. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So many people (laughs) would die for that. Well, this is somebody I guarantee applied late. Didn't apply broadly enough. It's also a super competitive law school admission cycle. And this is someone who's about to blunder into just a terrible financial decision. And all they need to do is wait until September and reapply. And before the end of 2021, I guarantee they'll have a full ride offer if they follow my advice. Well, I hope that they do get that full ride offer. I still don't love this commitment to San Francisco. Like, <laughs> I agree. Like, well, why what's not wrong apply? with Davis? Yeah. <laughs> Davis is not that far. California, yeah, right. No, let's let's go through the options. There's Mm -hmm. Santa Clara, which Mm -hmm. is down the peninsula a little bit. Beautiful town. It is. It's really nice. There's Davis, which is in the Central Valley, which sucks, but it's also a nice. It's the nicest place that I know of in the Central Valley. Mm -hmm. There's McGeorge, which I have sent a million people to McGeorge on full rides, and you know it's it's in the state capital. There's, you got other options. And the thing that really, really bugged me was this comparison of Hastings to USF as if that's the only two options. And it's like, well, USF has, they have a bad reputation. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to (laughs) spend 20 grand a year for that supposed difference, which is non-existent. I don't know. I got to say, you know, I've had like, it's, I'm triggered. I have a previous trauma from other people asking me the exact same question and then not listening to my advice. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of reacting to this, you know, based on background assumptions that I'm making about people who ask this type of question. Sure. So maybe they're going to email me right back and go, oh, wow, thank you. I never thought about it that way. But 
<laughs> this is someone who took my live class in the before times and mm-hmm. I never stopped yelling about how you shouldn't pay for law school and you should apply really broadly and you should take the best full ride you can get and there's not that much of a difference between Hastings and USF. Those are the two schools that I always yell about yeah. <laughs> specifically. Yeah. Because I taught LSAT in San Francisco for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> there <laughs> we're talking to oh god it's just shocking it's like if usf has a reputation at all mm-hmm. it's because they have been a law school in san francisco for a hundred years and there's plenty of people in the city of san francisco who went to usf and practice law there now this bad reputation where's that coming from be honest where is that bad reputation coming from <laughs> it's coming from the us news and world report ranking and they're merely looking at the numbers and yeah. assuming that such a reputation exists it's also coming from your friends who are 1Ls and 2Ls at Hastings and think they're the shit because they're at Hastings but they actually aren't the shit cuz if they were the shit they would be at Berkeley or Stanford well, keep in mind, too, that they got that idea of reputation in their head solely from the U.S. News and World Report rankings as well. It's like a, it's this weird like bubble reinforcing among people who don't know anything about what it actually means to practice law and to get a job. This gives us an opportunity here, Ben, to test out our 100% rule from last week. Yep. I'm going to go to lsatdemon.com slash scholarships. Okay. This is still using last year's rankings, but I have Hastings at 59, San Francisco, I am not seeing on this list. That's weird. Okay, I'm not seeing Golden Gate or USF on this list, which has got to be a mistake because we have schools all the way up to 148. All right, Jackson, what's up, dude? I'll be discussing this with Jackson after the show today. (laughs) (laughs) okay cool uh no problem jackson's a great guy and uh, i'm sure he'll hop to it but he needs to have a fire lit under him point is hastings is ranked 60th according to last year's u.s news and world report which means unless usf is more than 120 Mm -hmm. according to u.s news and world report there is no difference between hastings and usf yep that's our 100 percent rule yeah ben you've had a week to sit on the 100 percent rule how do you feel about it Oh, it's now a rule. It's moved from a, what is it in science? A hypothesis? Hypothesis. It's a still theory. a hypothesis. No, it's a theory It will now. always, <laughs> it <laughs> will been... always be, in my mind, it will always be, a theory or a hypothesis are the same thing to me, and it will always be open to debate, but it's on you to prove that it's not true. I mean, like, show me a practical difference between a school that's ranked 60th and a school that's ranked 120th. And if you refer back to the rankings, that's not <laughs> that, that's not logic. That's not that's circular reasoning. So what's the real difference between Hastings and USF? Yep. You know, it, it, it's it's a tragedy. And I'm not I'm not like particularly mad at this one student. I'm what I'm mad at is a broken system that makes people reach just terrible conclusions. You know, I agree. The likes of Hastings, they just thrive on this. Like that's, they love that people have that totally mistaken understanding. I mean, dude, last year Hastings was 60, sorry. Hastings was 59 
and Santa Clara was 107, there is definitely not that big of a difference between those two law schools. I mean, that's a zero difference. If anything, depending on what you want to do, I would say Santa Clara is a better school, especially for IP. Totally. Yeah. Being in Silicon Valley, being right there next to all of that tech, I... (laughs) There's no way, there's no way it's worth paying for Hastings if you could have gone to Santa Clara for free. And this is an applicant who apparently didn't even apply to Santa Clara, as far as I know. Yeah, which is a just a total tragedy. Uh, it, that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Alrighty. Thank you for sharing that. Good luck to your student. Hopefully, they hear this and change their mind even after seeing your email. Tragically, that's just advice that people don't want to follow. Like they, they ask, that's the, I guess that's the really irritating thing is that they ask ask me for my opinion when they know what I'm going to say and they're not going to follow my advice. And that's the part that pisses me off. Sure. It's like, Hey, whatever, go get ripped off. I don't give a shit, but why are you bothering me asking me for my opinion if you're not going to follow it? And if you, I just can't see how somebody could possibly have taken my class and not already reached that same conclusion. But anyway. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into pearls versus turds here. Oh, side note, before we do that, I I think in science you have hypotheses, which technically are just theories. There's no difference there. (laughs) But when something becomes universally, almost universally accepted by scientists, right, they start calling it a theory, like the theory of evolution, right? Some anti-evolutionists would jump on that and say, oh, it's just a theory. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know it's just a theory. Especially if they like capitalize it, right? If they put it in title case, Mm -hmm. then now it's a theory proper. Proper. And it it seems like essentially true unless proven otherwise, right? As as opposed to the burden being on the scientists proposing it. Now it's like pretty much a given. So I would say our rule has almost reached that state (laughs) in a week for me. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That said, any scientist would also say, well, the theory of anything is open to contradiction by evidence. And we'd be willing to put that in the shitter Immediately, if there was evidence that showed Good otherwise. evidence, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like the theory yeah. of thermodynamics, right? It may be thrown out. We never know. But it's established enough that it's going to be treated like a rule. Yeah. Cool. So pearls versus turds. This is where we take uh, advice from anyone who is willing to send it in and tell that person whether it is a pearl, advice that they should follow, or a turd, advice that they should run away from. Yep. And uh, yeah, here, let me read this. It says, hey, Nathan and Ben, thank you for curating the best LSAT prep ecosystem in the marketplace. I've never heard it described in that way, but cool. Ecosystem. Yeah. I'm a four-month Demon subscriber, and you've helped me raise my score from a 159 to a 165. Not going to quit until I earn a 170-something scoring 171 average on the past last five practice tests. By the way, 159 to 165 doesn't sound like that great. Yeah. But that would be the difference between, you know, not getting in to Berkeley and probably getting in slash maybe getting some tuition assistance, depending on your 
I mean, at, at other schools that would go from below the 25th percentile to above the 75th percentile LSAT. That could be the difference between denied and a full ride uh, at fairly decent law schools. So that's an amazing already like life changing six point improvement. But the best thing about it is this. I'm not going to quit until I get my 170 plus. Which yeah, seems well, inevitable. Yeah, it sounds like this person's averaging 171 on their practice test. So they're they're close. The 165 just must be an official on the score, on the record score or something. Yeah, sounds like 159 on record, 165 on record. Now, last five practice tests averaging 171. Mm-hmm means definitely take it again and get that 170 something on record and you're done. Yeah. Here's my question for LR and RC drilling instead of rapid fire sessions. Okay. I don't even know what rapid fire sessions are. I've started to do the work of writing up many explanations for each question. For example, I'll read the passage in question, jot down my prediction and then jot down an explanation for each answer and why I think it's wrong right. Essentially, writing up the content I'd typically read after hitting the help button. Uh, that sounds the like ha- too the much ask work. Button. Yeah. Okay. Although slower, I think it's really helping me understand why the right answer is right and why the four wrong answers are wrong. Of course, I won't be able to write this down during the time section, but I think imagining I need to teach someone helps me engage with the material on a deeper level than I would otherwise. I, If you're going to do this, I would just do it in your head and yeah i i don't see the need to to write it down yeah there's something there i mean there's there's there is a like pearl there which is take your time one at a time get them right we would never advise people to do rapid fire maybe the demon drilling unfortunately encourages people to do it quickly You know, like they get it right, like especially if they get it right, then they just do another one, like click an answer just to see if it turns green. Yeah. And that's that's bad. Like, I mean, what I would say is don't miss questions when you're drilling. Yep. Like don't hit submit until you're sure you've found the right answer. Which means being able to justify why you chose one answer over another if you were debating to. Right. Um, So I, I, I do like this preparation for war so to speak with you know the opposing side of any answer choice but i don't see the need to actually jot down notes and i feel like it's slowing you down and probably getting you into a mindset that you're not going to be in you got to keep these arguments in your head when you're going through the answer it's not a pearl i don't think it's necessarily a turd i could see you know some value in doing a tiny bit of this if you feel like you need it to slow you down there's a lot of value in having a uh, study buddy yeah. you know somebody that you can actually teach yeah bounce a ideas. question to yep that's really helpful and if you don't have a study partner then maybe this is a way of replicating that kind of, you know, like I'm going to, as if I was explaining it to someone else, I'm going to write out explanations, but I can't imagine doing more than two or three of these, maybe one of them in a study session. And I can't endorse this as a pearl, even though I do see something there, I would never like go out of my way to tell people to do this. Yeah. I I think it's just too much. I I could even see 
Yeah, like you said, in some cases, you're debating between two, and maybe starting to write something down forces you to articulate your thoughts in a way that you weren't able to do so in your head. But again, that's that's um, a here and there kind of thing, and then hopefully you get to a point where you're doing that in your head, because that's exactly what I do when I get stuck between two answer choices. I'm like, okay, let me read C again, let me read D again, And sometimes I might compare the two answer choices, see what words are the same and what are different. But all this is happening in my head. It's not something where I'm sitting down and starting to write a formal explanation, even if it's a very short one. So, Yeah, I certainly wouldn't do too much of this, maybe a tiny little bit, but not much. What what do you want to vote on the uh, scoreboard? Yeah, we we can just call it a tie. Yeah, we all know that's a turd, so that's great. It is lazy to just give it a tie, but I, I don't, I, I, there's something to it. So I can't really I love say. the sentiment I mean, to review thoroughly, right? That's something yes. that people obviously err on the wrong side all the time. They don't review enough. Yeah. So good. And, and yeah, I mean, you might want to ask yourself like, okay, I think I understand, but would Ben and Nathan agree that I understand? Like if I, please don't do this, but if I were to email my explanation, to Ben and Nathan, uh, we will not read it if you do. But if we, if you were to send us an, if you were, would would Ben and Nathan actually agree with my analysis? Like, do I really understand it? Mm-hmm. You can ask yourself that question, but you don't need to actually go through writing out the explanation. Yeah. If you have a Pearl versus Turd candidate, you can email help at thinkinglsat.com. You can also find us on social at thinkinglsat and uh, hit us up there. But we're always looking for new ways of thinking about the test. And we have run across some pearls. So yeah, keep sending them in. We really appreciate it. Cool. You got this. Oh, is it me? It is you. So continue with the mailbag. Yep. Mailbag continued. Hi, Ben and Nathan. Huge fan of your fan of your podcast. I am currently struggling with whether or not I should retake the LSAT and apply this year. Yes, you should retake the LSAT. <laughs> should you apply this year? Don't know. Are you going to have your best LSAT on record before September rolls around? Okay. <laughs> Do we even need to read the rest of this? That's <laughs> that's the answer. Well, let's go on. Okay. Elizabeth continues. I took the LSAT three times in 2017, sad face, and did terrible each time. 149 was the highest score. Why are you taking the test three times in score if you're scoring that low? Hmm. I can honestly say I didn't allocate enough time towards studying and took it two months apart each time during undergrad and working part time. Too many excuses. Don't care. Yep. I mean, everybody is either in undergrad or working working. (laughs) full-time or working part-time or some combination of those things. So that's totally irrelevant. The spacing that you took the, how far apart you took your tests is irrelevant. Yep. You know, you didn't study enough. Yes. And you didn't study enough the right way. Like you didn't actually achieve any kind of real understanding of the test. If you're not breaking 150, you have no clue what's going on on this test. Really? Like how much understanding does it take, Ben, to score 155? Not very much. Well, considering that (laughs) the average test taker gets a 151, you're slightly above average, which means 
you haven't done much at all. With a 155, yeah. yeah. Well, with a 149, I mean. You're below average. And not even like, well, I don't know, Ben, that, I'm not sure that proves very much. What that proves is that people taking the LSAT have no clue. Like the the average person taking the LSAT scoring 151, like they just don't understand the test because all it takes to get a 155 or a 160 is like, oh, let's get the first 15 on each section, which are the easy ones. And with a rudimentary understanding of the test, you should be able to get yourself to like 155. You know, what's weird is this email, although Elizabeth doesn't say any of this, it, it just reminds me of these emails. I feel like I've gotten so many times over the years where someone's scoring in the high 140s, low 150s, and they say things like, I understand all the question types. Right. <laughs> I just right. need to figure out how to go faster, or I just need to figure out how to, I don't know what exactly. And it's just the weirdest comment. I, I'm like, you, you don't <laughs> understand the question types well, or even realize right. that that's not the most important thing. And yet, where do they come to that? I guess because they, they have encountered a must-be-true question or something and, and know its name, and, and then therefore right. they are familiar with it and understand yeah. it. Here's a pearl for you. If your question or comment starts with the word, I understand you should reformulate your question or comment <laughs> because <laughs> you, you need to tell us what you don't understand. That's yeah. how we can help you. Yeah. People who always start with, well, I, I get this and I get that. It's like, those are the people that are impossible to help because they're not, they're not confronting the actual shit. They don't understand. Yeah. That's, there's a lot you don't understand. Listen, yeah. if you're scoring 165, there's a lot you don't understand. Yep. And you got to find those parts that, that, that you, tell me what you don't understand. That's how we can help. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, oh, by the way, if you don't believe what Nathan just said, fine. Take a test untimed. I don't care. Take it untimed. You can have all the time in the world. What score do you get? I guarantee yeah. you, you will find questions that you don't know or understand the yep. answer to. <laughs> yep. Okay. I graduated in 2018 and I have been working at a law firm as a paralegal ever since. Okay. So coming up on three years working as a paralegal has a pretty good idea what, what she's getting into, yep. um, which is good. Yep. Needless to say, now I have three weak LSAT scores on my record. That was indeed needless to say in January of this year, I decided to start studying again I wanted to wait the five years for my scores to disappear so I can reapply. They changed that rule. It used to be, what, three times in five years? That was like a long time ago, though. Hmm. Maybe back in 2018 or 2017, when Elizabeth was studying before, that could have been the rule. They've changed it, as we discussed earlier. They've changed it many times. But the rule now is five times in two consecutive cycles. So, Elizabeth, you have, you're, you're allowed to take it right now. Oh, I see. She's waiting for it to go away. Ugh. Elizabeth, they only care about your highest score. Yep. Nobody gives a shit about those bad scores on record. You need to get a good score on record. That's the only thing you should be thinking about. 
Yep. Elizabeth goes on and says that would mean next year in 2022, they would be removed. Who cares? Law schools only care about your highest score. We've sent people to Yale who took it five times. I mean, it doesn't matter. I've been making a lot of progress using Seven Sage and will be signing up with LSAT Demon next week. Do you think I should take the LSAT this year and apply this year? Will schools view it as weak to have so many scores on record, even if they are from four years ago and are about to expire? That's uh, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Okay, we don't care about the previous scores, but we... We get these questions all the time. Should I take the LSAT this year and apply this year? I don't know. Do you have what score do you have yeah. <laughs> on record yet? Uh, what score do you have in your practice test? Should I take the LSAT this year? Yeah, once you start scoring above 165, at least 160. I wanted to respond to this email after just the first sentence, right? I I mean like do you have your best score on record? I don't care about the other scores. I don't care how many of them. I don't care how long you prepped. I don't, I don't care. Do you have your best score on record? Yes or no. If the answer is no, don't apply right now. If the answer is yes, proceed to step two. Is it September? If it's September, then yes, apply. Okay. Two steps. I'll run that through again. It's a very complicated algorithm. Step one, do you have your best score on record? If no, then you're still in LSAT study mode and I don't, there's no need to do any further analysis. If yes, you do have your best score on record, then proceed to step two. Is it September? And if it is, then you can apply. And if not, then wait till September. Cool. Pretty simple. Thanks, Elizabeth. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, it's simple. I mean, that's how you do it. If you don't want to pay tuition, get this next one. Yeah. Juliana writes, Hey guys, I'm an international student currently based in Switzerland, but my undergrad is in the U S and I graduated from NYU in 2018. I studied theater in a conservatory. So I have a BFA in drama after graduating, I mostly worked in film production and festivals, though I do have a lot of experience in distribution offices working with contracts. I'm taking the April LSAT, but I also plan on doing the June test. I'm currently scoring in the mid-high 160s, a high of a high of 172, and my goal is a 170. I can't seem to make those extra five points consistently. I've been studying for just over a month. Mm, diagnostic was a 154. And my weaknesses is, or my weakness is logic games because I take a very long time visualizing diagrams. When I try to make up time, I often misread rules, which causes me to mess up entire games. Okay, slow down. We've said that. Yeah, your dip, your weakness in LG is not that you take a very long time visualizing diagrams. Your weakness in LG is you don't take enough time to read the rules correctly and make connections between those rules. Yeah. If you're ever, ever, even once misreading a rule, that's your entire problem on the logic games. Simple. Also, also in terms of like I mean, rushing, right? She writes, I've been studying for just over a month and I can't seem to make those extra five <laughs> points consistently. Uh, I don't know what you're expecting, but some people right. take several months, if not up to a year to get to the consistency they want with such a high score. 
I'm not saying it has to take that long, but I think you're unduly expecting or unreasonably expecting this to happen in just over a month. Yeah, people get attached to the time. They just they they get obsessed with the time. Yeah. And then that really hinders their progress. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Juliana is in an amazing spot here. Sounds like she kills the rest of the test, struggling with games after a month. Well, you and everybody else. I mean, give it two or three months and probably have it sorted. Yeah. Going from a 154 to a high of 172 in just over a month is extraordinary. Yeah. Um, anyway, she continues, on RC and LR combined, I usually miss six points at the most. The only thing in my way is games. So obviously it's not the only thing in your way if you're missing six points. You could pick up points there. Also, I have a relatively severe grade of ADHD, but haven't asked for accommodations. I think I'm capable of doing this without the extra time and feel weird claiming a disability. My fam thinks that's stupid. Do you think I should request extra time for the June test? I believe I could get to the mid-170s if I did. Look, if you can qualify for legitimate accommodations, then I I would. I, I don't see why I would hold back. That's the name of the game. It's not necessary at all. With another month or two of, you know, grinding it out on the games, Juliana is the type of person who would easily get to the mid-170s anyway. I mean, high of 172 already with a weakness in games. Slow down. Make sure you read each rule carefully. Look for connections between the rules. The setups will just emerge magically from the connections between the rules. But you have to understand the rules in the first place. Your whole problem is you're trying to make up time. You should stop trying to make up time. You just need to do better on the setups without worrying about the time. And you'll realize that you have plenty of time even without the accommodations that you're entitled to. That said, it seems insane to me to not apply for extra time, which you can obviously get. What kind of a lawyer would not take that advantage? Yeah, keep in mind that law schools have no clue that you applied for and got accommodations. So You'll know. And I can see for some people, I can see it becoming like a little bit of a challenge for themselves or whatever. And, and, and that's fine. I mean, I, I kind of get that where it's like, yeah. well, I want to make sure that for my own knowledge, I want to know that I got my 175, you know, based on taking it in the same time as everybody else. Sure. That's fine. And Juliana, you can definitely get there. I mean, I have no doubt at all that you'll get there within another, you know, couple months of continuing to practice these games, you'll unlock the games and you'll realize that it's like hard to score less than 170 for someone like you. So you can do it that way. You can also, (laughs) the system is broken, Juliana, in your favor. They want to give you extra time, even though you can already score in the 170s, which is by the way, Juliana, you're already scoring 98th percentile, but because of your ADHD, you're entitled to take extra time. To move into the 99th percentile. <laughs> to move into the 99th percentile solidly. into Well, although those percentiles are going to change because so many people are scoring in the high 170s now. Yeah. But, it's a fucked up system, but that's the problem yes. is that if you don't take advantage of it, you can also put yourself at a disadvantage to someone else who does not have the same concerns. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sort of neutral on this topic. If you if, if it's legitimate, if you're not seeking an accommodation for something that's not legitimate, 
if it's honestly, what do I mean by honest? If it's a category that is pretty commonly accepted as something that should or does get accommodations, then I would just, I wouldn't hesitate. My concern is people who seek accommodations for things that aren't commonly sought for. Maybe Uh, that's my only concern. That seems. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not telling people to apply if they don't legitimately have these issues. But if a physician has told you that you legitimate or a psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever has told you that you legitimately have these issues, if you've been previously diagnosed, then the system is set up to give you extra time. And I don't know, Ben, let's say you murdered someone and were trying to. (laughs) Yeah, let's say you murdered someone in cold blood. Okay. And you don't want to go to prison. Okay. You have two choices. You have a lawyer who will take advantage of areas where the system is broken and you have a lawyer who won't take advantages of areas <laughs> where the system is broken. Wait, I don't I don't love this analogy. I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a murderer, but but Well, not you know, you don't love it cuz you murdered someone, but See, no, I think but that's listen. different than, okay, yeah, go ahead. Stop arguing with my hypothetical and just answer the damn question. Would you or would you not? <laughs> you have a choice. Okay. You want a lawyer who is going to take advantage of the system in your favor or a lawyer who is not going to take advantage of the system in your favor. That's your choice. Well, hold up. I can't believe you're actually not going to participate in my... No, I, I yeah, I have a serious hesitation here because okay. are you asking what I should do or what I want to do? <laughs> what would you actually do? You have murdered someone. You are mm. faced with prison. I actually would have no you... idea what I would do in that situation. <laughs> oh I really God. don't. Jesus no. Christ, Ben. What's ben, your problem? I'm going to put you in. Put you in a, Seriously, uh, do you know uh, what you would do? <laughs> in a, yes. I would Some take people, the when they murder attorney. other people, they take the path of like, <laughs> shit, right, I'm going to confess to this. A, this is, a, this a is like a horrible example. Yeah, I know. Intentionally. There's a principle, but I don't think ben, it proves your point at all because there's no of, way that we'd have any clue what I would do in that situation. <laughs> like, I'm going to send you serious. to the groundlings. There's a principle of uh, entertainment, Ben, generally, where you don't answer questions with a no. You answer questions with a yes and okay so we're going to practice you saying yes and to my hypothetical which was meant to teach something i can't answer <laughs> yes to that question because i actually have no idea what the answer would be i, I really know, ben, don't that you would never have committed a crime but can you please just grant me the premise of let's suppose you murdered someone start there okay i know you didn't okay in real fine life. i know I'll you grant never you that. would Okay. Uh, that's you fine. It's, that's not my concern. My concern <laughs> is what would I do in that situation? And I honestly okay. cannot tell you whether I would say, okay, I'm going to confess to this and take, eat my shit, or if I'm going to try to dig my hole deeper and get that attorney who violates any broken not, parts of the system. Uh, no, I, what I'm saying is, no, Ben. What would you do? I'm going to do whatever I can do to not go to prison, Ben. Okay, that's cool. Like, the fact that you know that you would do that is surprising to me. Like, No, no. You're not... Okay, 
I I think I understand our point of contention here. Okay. You're not, I'm not saying that they should do something unethical. I'm saying that they should take advantage of an area where the system is broken. Like basically just, do you want a lawyer who will get you off on a technicality or do you not want a lawyer who will get you off on a technicality? And you're fucking insane if you don't take the lawyer who will get you off on a technicality. I mean, I understand that you're trying to take this super moral high ground where you're like, well, no, no I'm going to just admit ground. I did it and take my punishment. I'm going to ask the judge, please, your honor, I deserve life in prison for this crime because it was such a heinous murder that I did. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you don't want to go to prison. Do you want an attorney who's going to get you off on whatever grounds they're able to get you off on? Or do you want an attorney who's going to be like, well, you know, I know the system is set up this way, but it just wouldn't feel quite right if we, ah, I can't, no, I could never let this case get dismissed on the fact that they didn't file on a, in a timely manner or whatever. <laughs> Of course you would take the attorney who will get you out of prison. You that's you think the answer is obvious. I don't think the answer is obvious. And I would say that's true wow. here too. Even if we bring this into this example, in my mind there's a difference between someone who's seeking accommodations for something that's commonly accepted as an accommodation and someone who's maybe lying about okay, lying about their accommodations is seriously wrong. I'm not talking about ask, that. And I'm not talking about that in my hypothetical. See, Ben, you're not allowing my hypothetical to be as on target as I meant it to be. No, I'm I'm trying to come up with. It's not on target because listen, because of the murder. What you're you're talking about is you're talking about. So there's you you see the system as currently broken. So you're assuming that seeking accommodations for a commonly accepted accommodation condition is is wrong, right? No, I'm not. I mean, but you agree with me that this system is broken. I agree that there are problems, but I agree that those problems don't necessarily manifest themselves if you're seeking an accommodation for something that we might agree should be accommodated. Okay. So what that's I'm saying different is, than seek, having an attorney go after a technicality that should but, or should not exist there. But surely it's broken even in Juliana's case. Listen, she's already got practice tests in the 98th percentile without extra time, but this system is designed to give her extra time. If that's not broken, I don't know what is. That doesn't level any playing field. That gives extra time to someone who clearly doesn't need it. Okay. I mean, I guess I'm not as concerned about the outcome in her case as long as her accommodation is commonly accepted as an accommodation and she's not lying about her condition. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. And to make my analogy complete, I mean, what I'm talking about here is the prosecution didn't file something that they need to file in order to put you on trial. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you want an attorney who's going to say, your honor, uh, they didn't file this on time, and therefore you must grant summary judgment <laughs> in my okay. or like let you me, must dismiss me, this case. Let me grant of you one that. thing. <laughs> let me grant you one thing. If you want to get off, then yes, <laughs> right. Which I I assumed that nobody wants to go to prison for murder. You know, I 
I'm not aware of any cases of people who do want to go to prison for murder, but hypothetically, maybe you might. I don't think I, you I'm do, surprised, though. I'm surprised that you find this to be such a given assumption. I mean, like, even in this case, we're reading this email, and Juliana is unsure whether she wants to take advantage of this loophole, even though in theory she could. It's the same issue. It's the exact same concern. She's saying, I could do this, but do I want to? The same thing could apply in a, a murder trial. You could Listen. take advantage of these loopholes, but you may decide that you don't want to. That This is the end of your, say, inconsistent conduct within your moral framework, whatever that is. That would be a wild, wild time to make that decision. And that would be an exceptionally poor decision to make. If you murdered somebody, you definitely shouldn't have done that. If you have a way of avoiding prison, you probably should do that. You can rehabilitate yourself however you want, but prison ain't the place for it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I don't, I, don't, I feel like you're oversimplifying the the world. Uh, prison versus not prison. Yes, I am. It's a fairly simple decision. It's no, either the I worst think, place or not. I, I don't think it's that crazy. Uh, there is nothing worse. Prison. I'm not saying prison is in a in a, <laughs> a, a great place to go i'm saying it may be a choice that you make because it's better than the alternative whatever that might be living with your decision etc some people like come to jesus so to speak not that jesus has to be involved in this at all but yeah they they come to like some sort of like it's like I they surrender it. yeah sure but you could do a lot more good outside prison than you can inside prison i mean you're <laughs> I don't care what kind of a revelation you've had inside prison is not going to be good for you or anybody else. Okay. My, I mean, that's, my point that's is one this. theory. Yeah. My point is that I can't believe you're, you're like making the, you know how on the LSAT you're not allowed to make unwarranted or implausible assumptions. I mean, you're going on a crazy tangent about prison being not that bad, or maybe people who murdered someone might decide not, at the I last never said minute it was not that they that actually bad. do want to go to prison. Whoa, <laughs> I mean, stop. I didn't no say sense. it was that bad. I, I didn't say it was not that bad. It could be horrible. I'm just saying, you're asking, what would you do? And I could totally see people, including myself, acquiescing at that point and preferring this path that might go through prison than some alternative. And you're acting like this is like some easy, obvious choice. I, I don't think that it is. Like it's, It seems like an area of psychology that is much more muddy than you make it out to be. I think that if you don't give a fuck and you're still like, you know, you killed someone and yeah, you want to get get away with it, then of course this makes total sense. But I don't think that's a normal or necessarily um, <laughs> common. I mean, it's actually it's a common outcome, but I don't know if it's a, I don't know if that makes it obviously like the thing to do. I don't know. To me, it seems much more complicated than you make it out to be. Unless you work for the mob and you will be murdered if you don't go to prison, I'm going to go ahead and say that you should not go to prison. In all circumstances, you should take the option that does not make you go to prison. Okay. <laughs> That's my understanding of prison. <laughs> yeah. you're, uh, you're I'm not saying prison is a good place. I'm just saying it may okay. be better than the alternative, which is someone's own mental health or whatever. I have no idea. 
You asked me initially, what would you do? I said, I don't know. That's my Ben's answer. Ben's going to go to prison for his own mental health. Oh, okay. my God. That's what you okay. just said. I mean. <sighs> okay, that's not what I said, but okay. <laughs> Thank God we aren't lawyers. Could you imagine how much dicks we would be if we were lawyers? <laughs> oh, God. Juliana. Mm-hmm. I do not think it's at all equivalent to committing murder. In fact, the murder wasn't even part of your story. It was, it was about advocacy was Mm -hmm. my real, my point is about advocacy, which is our systems are broken in a thousand fucking ways. And good lawyers do know the areas where the system is broken. And they absolutely do take advantage of those areas. You're not a very good advocate for your client if you're constantly staking out the moral high ground and like not get. I mean, hey, Ben, please, please admit if someone let's let's talk about a different kind of a murder case. Somebody absolutely murdered someone. Okay. But the cops like, you know, mishandled a chain of evidence somehow. And the system is like this guy is for sure not going to prison. Because of this technicality. Okay. Mm-hmm. That happens. Yep, that happens. Okay. They didn't file a piece of paperwork. They mishandled some evidence. They, who knows what they did. It could be a completely an accident. You are a garbage defense attorney if you don't take advantage of that error in your client's favor. I think you would be like fired or disbarred or something. It would be unethical of you not to take advantage of that opportunity to get your client off. It's not about morals. It's about, this is the system. This is our system. You're supposed to advocate for your client. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where I stand on that. It's not, it's just not about right and wrong. It's about advocacy and that's what good advocates do. And, and notice I don't practice law and Ben doesn't practice law. Ben's very uncomfortable. I think part of the reason why we don't practice law is that we're very uncomfortable with that. Sure. Well, I do want to make a distinction. Okay. So in my mind, there are three categories of choices here. One is where you you say, hey, look, you committed this murder. You've acknowledged that to me. One as your legal counsel, I advise you to admit to this crime. So that's one extreme, right? And that's like, don't take advantage of the loopholes that you're talking about. Another extreme is to take advantage of any loophole for your client and get them off no matter what. And then I think there's like this middle ground where you adopt commonly accepted and applied technicalities to get your client off, but you don't go to the extreme of, I guess, uncommonly used technicalities that no one ever intended. Or where I think in those cases, what you ultimately are ending up doing is resorting to lying or something like that. And so I don't... Yeah. And that's not at all what I'm talking about here. This is not a case where Juliana has to lie. Yeah. This is... All I want, all I'm saying here, I'm not talking about any ethical violation. I'm talking about using the system to the maximum for your own benefit or for your client's own benefit. Okay, that's fine. I just want to be clear that a lot of times when people hear that, they are imagining you leveraging the system in every possible way. 
and often that involves that's not what I'm deception yeah, on I, your I, part, right? No, I don't think that people who are struggling with the LSAT should go get accommodations just because they think it'll help them with the LSAT. Like that's yeah. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Juliana is sitting on a previous severe ADHD diagnosis which mm-hmm. means that the system is set up. It's a formality here for Juliana to get extra time. Yeah. And I, I don't think she needs it. Mm-hmm. And I do think that it's pretty unfair that she can get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, how does that make sense? It's, I mean, and I'm not saying I have any better alternative to the current system. I, I, we've talked about this a million times on the show. It's like, I don't know how you give people who do need the accommodation and accommodation without giving people who like, who, like Juliana, who apparently don't need it. She's been prepping mm-hmm. for a month and she's already in the one seventies. I mean, she doesn't need any extra help. Mm-hmm. She's got every advantage already, mm-hmm. but she ha- the system is clearly set up where they she is entitled to these accommodations Mm -hmm. the question is only will she take them or not Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) you know yeah i can't see not taking the accommodation i can't see not taking it either in this case because i think she has a commonly accepted accommodation that's all i'm saying i'm not i'm not answering for people who don't have a previous severe adhd diagnosis Uh, Okay, that's great. It's good to clarify because I think when you say let's you know take advantage of every possible weakness in the system, it sounds to me like you could invite people to say, okay, well, I can go to a doctor, I can get a letter, and then I can get accommodations for things that most people would not consider actual accommodations, but they've been granted, and we've seen that too on the show. Oh, I've seen that a lot. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, like people all the time. I'm not saying to do that. People are even proud of it, which pisses me off. Like that's, please do not send me an email that says, well, I knew that I could get my doctor to write this note and I knew it would help me a lot on the LSAT. So I did that. That is not what I want. Ben, and, and maybe (laughs) Ben, yeah, that is, (laughs) we're on common ground. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. That we do not want people to do that. Yeah. Don't go get accommodations just because you can. If you have not previously had some diagnosis, like please don't get your very first ADHD diagnosis just so that you can get extra time on the LSAT. That's weak. Yeah. Uh, people are proud. That's what that does piss me off. You've seen people do that too. I bet where they're yeah. like proud yeah. of themselves for cutting that corner. And that's just embarrassing. Yeah. But Juliana's not, you know, it, it is a corner that she can cut if she wants. She's fully entitled to cut that corner. The easy route here would be to do that. If she decided to make it a little more of a challenge for herself and just take it alongside everybody else, uh, you know, that I, I, I can actually see her. I said earlier that I can't see her not taking the accommodation, but I can because she could get 175 or higher. I mean, she could get a 180 as far as we know if she kept prepping. And maybe she wants to, you know, for her own benefit, put that on record in normal time. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the system is set up in your favor, Juliana. And if you want to just take that shortcut, I, I couldn't really blame you for that either. It's a broken system. Lawyers do take advantage of those areas. That's that's the whole point of my analogy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Are we still friends, so Ben? Sh- of course we're still friends. I just... Okay. <laughs> I strongly disagree with some of your assumptions. That's all. 
<laughs> okay. So finally, my undergrad GPA was not very high. She says she had a 3.5. There's a reason. I had a bad mental health episode in college, in, which got me hospitalized hospitalized for part of my sophomore and junior year and destroyed my grades. I would never tell anyone that. I just don't. Uh, oversharing. Your numbers are good. You've got impressive stuff on your resume. You've got a really good LSAT score. Anyway. Yeah, she says my first and last, my last and first semesters are stellar as it is my IB. I wonder if this is something I could explain in my application and whether schools would actually care. Finally, What's an IB? I don't know, actually. Okay. Background or something? I don't know. What does she study? Uh, anyways, I wonder if this is something I could explain in my application and whether schools would actually care. So would you recommend writing an addendum that highlights the grades outside of those times or just leave it out? I might call it a medical episode, a medical issue. Yeah, I would for sure not call it a mental health episode. I mean, they're not allowed to discriminate against you based on that, but they subconsciously might anyway. Yeah, even with the best of intentions. Yeah, I would never bring up. I would never bring up psych psychological issues, drug and alcohol issues. I would never bring those up unless. I was forced to somehow, and you're not going to be forced to. So, if you do decide to write an addendum. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say, I, I would say something like, yeah, I mean, your last and first semesters are still, you have a 3.5. That's not horrible. I would take like my worst semester or two. Remove those. Yeah. And say, and I would recalculate my GPA without those two semesters. And I would say I had a medical issue. It's resolved now. Here's my GPA without those two semesters but I would not share any more than that. Yeah. That's if I was going to do it, which I don't know that I would, because why do they give a shit? You're a 3.5 on the public record. Yeah. Finally, I'd love to know if you think my atypical degree will work to my advantage or detriment. Ideally, I'd like to aim for the top, a top 2025 school. Is this wishful thinking given my GPA and assuming I hit 170? No, it's not wishful thinking. 3.5 is not as competitive as some folks are at those schools, obviously, but it's not out of the question by any means. Your atypical degree, yeah, you do have a degree in drama. I don't know that it matters too much one way or another. I mean, assuming that Juliana ends up applying with a 175. Yeah. Which I think you can do without any extra time. But even if you do get extra time, <laughs> it's even more likely you'd probably get yeah. it tomorrow. Like do a practice test with 53 minutes per section. I'd be kind of surprised that you don't just score 175 immediately. Yeah. It's an unfair advantage. I mean, the, that amount, that extra time for somebody who can already get into one seventies, that's somebody who like, if she did take the test on time, she might score 180, mm -hmm. right. Or 178 or something. And so, it, and 53 minutes is basically untimed for someone who can already score 170 in 35 minutes. Like they give, that's the problem is that they give too much extra time for, for people like Juliana. Anyway, I think Juliana, you're going to be applying with a, you're going to be a 175 and a 3.5. And if you blanket the top 14, I bet you're going to get offers. Yeah, for sure. I got to stop saying top 14. It's just such a nice shortcut. 
but it, it doesn't matter. The top whatever. <laughs> the top 20, 25. What I meant to it. say is if you apply to 15 or 20 schools, yeah, you're going to get all kinds of awesome offers, even without the addendum. And I don't think the degree really matters that much. By the way, you were talking about how adding 15 minutes, or wait, 18 we minutes. Adding? We're adding 18 minutes is giving too much time, right? Which I totally agree with. For all our listeners, the reason LSAC gives this blanket 15, 18 additional minutes is that LSAC was sued and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals forced them into an agreement. And this is the agreement that they came to. It just, I kind of think, illustrates the problem with trying to create policy through litigation, right? So if you want to talk about ethics, you got to look at your long-term ramifications of trying to force an organization or somebody else to do something through a legal case. I'm sure those, there are plenty of examples where that's a good thing, but this is one where we used to get uh, people accommodated with an additional five minutes. And maybe that makes sense for Juliana, right? Like, oh, here's an extra five minutes. That makes a huge difference still in their score, but it wouldn't bump them from a mid-160 score to all of a sudden to a mid-170 score overnight. Also, time and a half is the standard that that's what most people ask for. So that's what most people get. But Juliana, if if your doctor's note says that you should get double time, you You will get double time. Yeah. Now we have stop the clock breaks and uh, all. I mean, basically, whatever accommodation your doctor says you need, LSAC is just going to immediately roll over because of litigation. It's a it's a perverse outcome of the ADA and all Mm -hmm. of this litigation. And boy, for the ninth time today, thank God I'm not a lawyer. I would not be able to do any of this work, Ben. (laughs) Oh, God, it would drive me crazy. Yeah. It's just so gross. Uh, anyway, I if I think you can make that degree, that weird degree that you're worried about, I think you can make that work to your advantage. You know, it's it's all about the personal statement for you. You need to explain to them why law school makes sense for you. But it sounds mm-hmm. like, you know, you've got uh, if you want to talk about distribution, you've worked with film production and f- film festivals you know, if you, if you make the case, you've done this work, you can point to it on your resume, but you make the case that this is the type of legal work you want to do. And you have some idea what you're getting yourself into. I think that that degree will only work to your advantage. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for writing in. I hope that the, (laughs) uh, long rant about murder was helpful. (laughs) Also, I love Switzerland and have you considered just not going to law school in the United States and just staying in Switzerland. It's really nice there. They have a super good lifestyle. You know what they're doing right now in Zurich, Ben? No, they are going down to the river and taking off their normal clothes and putting it inside of these waterproof zip up bags, Mm. which also serve as flotation devices. And they're just floating down the river down to the getting off point. And there they get off, get out of the river and put their clothes back on 
and like go just resume their lovely time in Switzerland. <laughs> that's what people that's what people do in Switzerland. Um, might be still a little too cold for that, but <laughs> that's what they do in Basel and all over. I mean, it's just a really beautiful place. You should go visit if you get a chance. Cool. Uh, all right. I'm tired from arguing. Yeah. <laughs> Next one. Yeah. Do it. Anna. Oh, I think it's you. Oh, hi guys. I just finished taking my April exam moments ago and it felt so simple. It's my second time taking the exam and because of your show and the demon sitting and taking it felt like any other practice exam or section. I even got to finish the games extremely confidently and with 22 seconds left. While I'm proud of my February score, I'm even more excited for this score, and I know I will probably be taking the June test as well. I love the flexibility of the demon, and I can't wait to keep studying. Thanks for all you guys do, Anna. Yeah, cool. Congrats. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, boy, that's somebody who just is doing it right, you know, like prepped hard, kept taking the official test multiple times. Sounds like she killed April, but she's going to take June again anyway, because why not? Because you get another bite at the apple before you apply at the beginning of the next cycle. Oh man. Can't wait to hear her, you know, emailing in with her scholarship offers. Yeah. Next one. Yeah. Hey team. I quit con after a few weeks to sign up for the demon. When I left con, I had a 149 practice test score. Today, I scored a 162 on a practice test. Wow. Okay, great. According to LSAC's website, 149 is worse than around 65% of test takers. Sounds about right. A 162 is better than around 80% of test takers. Thank you for creating the best LSAT prep system in the world. Hashtag PTD, which presumably is praise the demon. Thanks. Some... Positive emails here. It's that time of year. I mean, we, this is the time of year where people tell us where they're going to go to school and what kind of a scholarship they took or people who are, you know, appropriately geared up for applying in September for the following September admission, which this is anonymous, but it sounds like anonymous is well on the way to applying at the beginning of the next cycle. We just get lots of these positive emails. I mean, we're super, super lucky to do what we do. We get to change people's lives. And it's uh, humbling, really. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, went from the, what? So that's from the 35th percentile to the 80th percentile in a few weeks. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine not having done that? <laughs> It's a totally different outcome. I wish I didn't have to say this, but it is a sign of how bad con is. Well, we saw the advice that they were giving on the last episode, and that's just that's the first lesson that they get, and it's already filled with like three turds. That's not heading people off in the right direction. Would we work with LSAC if LSAC wanted to make a better version of their free prep instead of using con? I think we would. I mean, they're hard to work with is the problem. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I think we, I mean, well, some of the, so the people that we interact with within LSAC are super friendly. They are. Nice. They really are. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, and we've made the best free prep we possibly can. Within the constraints that we can. We, how much money, Ben, did we shell out, by the way, to upgrade our marketing license? 10 grand. That's 
just the difference or it's 10 grand now total? Oh no, the difference is five. Yeah. 10 grand total. It's so five. We were grand. already paying $5,000 a year to LSAC just so that we could use some of their questions for free. But we recently upgraded yeah. it mm-hmm. to, 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 to 10 grand so that we could use an additional Which is like the most test we and can a half. Do. And mm-hmm. that's already available, by the way, inside of Demon Free. So go to lsatdemon.com, sign up for a free account. We're giving you as much as we can possibly give without violating our LSAC license. And it's nice to know that we're helping whoever this is, Anonymous. Yeah. All right. Next one. Yeah, you got it. I used the most recent PTs, 70 and up, to prepare for the April 2020 LSAT. I think Daniel meant 2021 LSAT. And I know it's going to be an L. I was averaging 172 on PTs from December 2020 to before my exam, which again was December 2021, or sorry, April 2021. I had a 165 on the July 2020 LSAT after a cold diagnostic of 142. There's a principle of storytelling here, Ben, which is you should probably keep it in (laughs) chronological order if you have any doubt. As to it's how just to so much it, yeah. easier for people to understand <laughs> things if you tell your story chronologically. So cold diagnostic 142, official 165 in July, averaging 172 since December of 2020 up until the April 2020 LSAT, but knows it's going to be an L. Don't know why. Reading anywhere from zero, minus zero to minus nine, and the curve breaker LR questions always mess me up. And LR is anywhere from <laughs> minus zero to minus five. Wait, so hold up. What are the curve breaker LR questions? This is news to me. I don't <laughs> know ones- what that means. I have never heard of that. I don't know what that means. There are some harder ones on LR. I think that's what Daniel's referring to, but how would he know which ones those are? I mean, yeah. Would love advice on how to combine reusing the recent exams. Don't know why you would do that. Plus the demon basic. I have that fee waiver for these next four months to prepare for the August LSAT. By the way, if you get the demon fee waiver, you can email help at lsatdemon.com and qualify for four months of demon basic for just $30. That's an LSAC fee. (laughs) We, We wish it was zero. But LSAC charges us that fee to even work with you on Demon Basic. So it sounds like that's what Daniel has done, which great. I'm sure you'll kill it, Daniel, with Demon Basic. You don't need to reuse. Why would you reuse the recent exams? You already did those ones. And Demon Basic has tons of exams, official exams in it. So just use those. I would not at all bother with reusing any of these tests from the 70s and up. I would use all of the tests in Demon Basic. There's plenty of stuff you haven't covered before. The test never changes. I mean, it's just like it changes so, so slowly over time. I know the LSAT has changed a bit through the years, but logic definitely hasn't. That's true. English and logic have not changed. So I know there's a lot of value in digging deep into the older tests. Should I do full length retakes? There it is again with the recent PTs 
and only drill with older stuff. Not sure how to structure this. Ben, would you even look once at those tests 70 and above that he's that you've already done? Nope. You can take... Why would you? No, there's no need. There's so many old tests and you don't need to drill all of the old ones. Maybe take what's left, split it in half. The bottom half for drilling and the top half for practice tests, even if... And time sections. I feel like um, Daniel is obsessed with timed tests, full-length retakes. What about just individual timed sections? I think that can be a good use of your time as well because you can review immediately after doing the section. Yeah. You know what? Not sure how to structure this. He, I, I feel like people are like too concerned about these kinds of things. I was thinking recently, Ben, and I know you're uh, an advocate of this, or at least you have been in the past, Inbox Zero. Yeah. I use Inbox Zero, mm. not religiously, but I... I pretty much live by the code of I'm going to get my inbox all the way down to zero on the regular, like pretty, you know, I'm not like every day or anything like that, but I do it as much as I possibly can. I get my inbox all the way down to zero. I want to start with a clean slate. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about that analogizing it to LSAT review. If you do a full test, then now you've got a big pile of shit in your inbox. Mm -hmm. All those things are like, those are messages from the law school admission test. Yeah. Telling you, Hey, here's some shit you don't understand. And you need to do some work on that. Every single one of your mistakes Mm -hmm. is an email. Yep. Clogging up your review inbox. Yeah. And so it's an argument in favor of doing fewer full tests and instead doing, as you just said, Ben, doing time sections instead. Yep. And even not even doing that much of that. And instead focusing mostly on your drilling, mm-hmm. you know, like the demon, if, if it is true that you're that good at LR, then I guess the demon's going to be fishing up a hell of a lot of those curve breakers for you to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the demon is going to target that immediately. Yeah. And so I think really Daniel could be just drilling LR, drilling reading comp, and then, yeah, practice some time sections, but make sure you're thoroughly reviewing, not just doing test after test after test. And I, I, it's like, I guarantee that that's what Daniel had been doing. Yeah. Reading comp anywhere from minus zero to minus nine. Mm, I think you're too casual, not really digging into your mistakes enough and probably did too many time tests and should just focus on sections and drilling instead. Yeah. Hearing you both talk about how an hour or an hour and a half a day just going ham is way better than fucking around for three hours and still kind of reviewing the timed sections I just did, I think is where I messed up. Daniel, your writing is suspect. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) By the way, this is like, I sent this back to Daniel and as I've been doing frequently lately, I've been saying like, Hey, make this like half as long. This is an edited version, but it's still like these sentences are questionable. Well, you've, you've corrected several typos and adjusted for the fact that this is written as all one sentence, but really (laughs) two or three together. Yeah. Last sentence. Basically, I need to get my shit together. Yeah. Best Daniel. Well, it yeah. sounds like Daniel, you know what you need to do. I mean, our only advice here, it seems like, is don't 
don't ever bother redoing those recent tests when you've got 70 tests you haven't even touched yet. Don't worry about full length tests so much. Just take it one question at a time, one section at a time. Make sure you do your review. I think you got it. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up with this last item. Cool. Sounds good. Hi, this is, oh, this is, sorry, this is excuse of the week. This is where we take someone's excuse (laughs) and tell them to stop making it. (laughs) Tell them to get their shit together. Yes. Yes. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I have a potential excuse of the week that came from one of the affinity groups. I won't say which one and maybe leave off my name. And maybe leave off my name. Sure, no problem. I thought you'd Uh, appreciate... If I can just interrupt. These affinity groups are study groups that we've started with uh, for all Demon subscribers. We just changed that, by the way. So they're available now for basic, uh, premium, and live subscribers, including Daniel, who got the LSAC fee waiver and uh, is taking advantage of our four-month offer on Demon Basic. You can join these affinity groups. We have many of them. We have a black students one. We have one, a brand new one for Jewish students. We have one for full-time employees. We have one for older students. We have one for military folks. We have all these different affinity groups. And so this is somebody who's in one of those affinity groups bitching about the other students in the, well, not bitching about them, but (laughs) pointing out something that they think is a bit of an excuse. So, yeah, and this email continues. I thought you'd appreciate the, quote, disservice you're doing with Demon 2.0. The excuse went something like this. The Demon does us a bit of disservice because its interface looks really nice and is easy to navigate. And the actual LSAT flex is ugly and hard to navigate. I do recommend going into LawHub at least once since the actual LSAT looks a lot like LawHub Also, the demon doesn't have a highlighting feature, but the flex will. I do agree that the demon looks 10 times better than the actual test. However, I'm going to focus on getting correct answers, not the fact that LSAT is in some garbage font like Arial or Times New Roman. Besides, as a lawyer, you'll be reading documents in dole fonts all day, every day. Get used to it now. Thanks, guys. I'm loving Demon 2.0. Yeah, what are your reactions to this? Is it true that the demon doesn't have a highlighting feature? Uh, It's actually technically true, but also a little more complicated than that. It's just a feature that we decided to roll out after we finish all the other things that are necessary to get everybody over there because it's (laughs) complicated. It's a complicated feature. To be clear, I have never in 15 years of teaching LSAT, I have never once recommended that people highlight. And in fact, I recommend the exact opposite. Do not highlight. It does not help you. It hurts you. It wastes time. Here's one difference. We're going to have one color for that highlighting feature, which you don't need. The LSAT has (laughs) four colors for highlighting. (laughs) Even then, yeah, I'm not, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's there (laughs) or it will be there. This is an excuse. People who think that it actually matters, you know, like I, I, I've heard of people doing this, Ben, they like the demons so much, but they think it's important that they practice in Law Hub. Mm-hmm. So they go to Law Hub and do their tests over there and then transfer their answers uh, back into the demon. Yeah. There's no way it's worth that time, even if it doesn't take that much time. You also lose the time that we're tracking on you and all that stuff. We're learning about you. And yeah, you're going to make it so that 
Yeah, right. The demon's going to learn less from your performance on those timed sections and timed tests if you do it that way. And surely the AI, the value of the AI getting to know you better is worth a hell of a lot more than you getting to know the font of the official LSAT. Yep. Uh, this is the type of, I, I understand it. You know, people are looking for every advantage or they're just like trying to figure out how to do the best they can on this test, which I totally appreciate, but, um, it, that ain't it. <laughs> like you're, you need to focus on your understanding of individual questions. That's really the only thing that's going to move the needle. Yeah. So none of these, yeah, that's a pretty good excuse of the week. You know, the highlighting, which you shouldn't use anyway, or the font, which who cares if it's not related to a question you don't understand, then you're probably wasting time. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) By the way, as we were transferring over the data from the old site to the new site, we came across a random stat. We have at least, I don't know the actual number, but at least 5 million demon questions have been drilled. Amazing. And so it actually created a problem because the file was so big that you couldn't open it in any format except for the database. And actually adding that much data to a database apparently slows it down significantly. Yeah. Without indexing. So we've had to do some things to get around these problems, but it's a lot of drilling going on in that demon. It's amazing. I mean, that's why people have improved so much, right? It's like we made this tool, but you guys are the ones that like did the work to actually make all this progress. Yeah. If you have no idea what we're talking about, by the way, Go to lsatdemon.com and sign up for a free account. Hey, speaking of the free shit in LSAT Demon, did you know that I am doing a study group on Zoom for the June LSAT Flex? Uh, That's open for registration now. It's Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, and you can come study with me for free. You want to get yelled at by an LSAT expert? Uh, I'm your guy. And uh, you can register Uncertified, for but expert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uncertified by anyone. <laughs> but anyway, I, I really, really enjoyed the April group that we did. Uh, it's a single registration. You register once and then you're signed up for every Thursday leading up to the June test. It's on Zoom. You can show me your face. You can unmute yourself. You can ask me questions. And uh, everybody benefits from doing that. So again, it's every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's free. I can't imagine why someone, if you can listen this far into the podcast, then I would really like to see you at that study group. I think it's one of the best things you can do. Yeah. So they just need um, to sign up for Demon Free and then go register for that event, right? That's... Correct. Yeah. You need a demon free account because I don't know what you're doing if you're prepping for the LSAT without a demon free account. Yeah. But yeah, come, come show up and ask me any question, maybe connect with some other people in the group to do a, you know, to find a study buddy or whatever. If nothing else, you can at least get some like camaraderie for sure. Mm. 
our community, <laughs> despite what today's hostile episode <laughs> might lead people to to uh, I wouldn't say to it believe. Hostile, just disagreeing of <laughs> you know ideas. Anyways, yeah. I hate that shit though. I hate like fighting. I don't know about you. Do you? I I I recoil from. I know we just yeah. did it, a lot of it. But yeah, I don't love I, it. God, it makes me uncomfortable. I I just hate it so much. Yeah. Anyway, we have a super, super helpful and collegial uh, community mm-hmm. in our demon classes. And so come to that study group and uh, you can share war stories and you can get some encouragement from the other people in the group for sure. Uh, as well as, you know, ask me any questions you want about your particular law school prep, uh, LSAT prep or law school admissions prep. I'll, I'm there to help every Thursday. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. If you have questions, email the show at help at thinkinglsat.com. We would love to unpack them. If you have questions about the demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. That was episode 294 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't. Don't pay for law school. (laughs) 